was an exceptionally muted welcome. <laughs> Just let you know I don't feel welcome. <laughs> um, thank you. Hiya, my name's Chris, if I've not met you, um, nice to see you here. Come and say hello at the end. As Alice said, we always do um, pizza and drinks at the end. And again, the idea of that um, isn't isn't to bribe you to come to church, although it does work sometimes. It's uh, it's because we want to create a community. We want to get to know you for real, and we want to hear how your week's been. We want you to be part of a family here, and not just a service as well. Um, so yeah, please do stick along, stick around, come and say hi at the end. Um, I've missed you over the last few weeks. I've been away. Um, I turned 40 last week. Thank you for your pity. Um, uh, do you know what? I much prefer turning 40, and I remember being 29 and turning 30, because all anybody says when you're 39 is, oh, you're 40 next year. And, um, and, it, and actually, it feels quite liberating getting older. Um, but what I'm also learning as I get older is that the older I get, the less certain I become but the more confident I'm becoming as well, if that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of uncertainty in life, but actually I'm much more confident in, um, I guess, in God, but also in who he's making me to be too. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that too much today. I'm also going to... Um, I came up from America last week. So if you weren't here a few weeks ago, um, I shared with the church that I felt God asked me to go to America. Who doesn't want that? I mean, we all want that, right? You don't want that. I mean, it's you, Tam, isn't it? <laughs> so, you know, I felt God say to go to America. And it started off really with this kind of heart prompt, I call it. Um, I just really wanted to go. I used to live in California about 10 years ago. Um, and I, at the start of the year, I just really wanted to go back. But I couldn't really justify it. I couldn't justify leaving my wife and I and my toddler um, because she, well, she couldn't let me uh, justify that and then and then I couldn't justify the money it would cost as well just for this short trip and I know I also you know kind of there's a cost to the planet with these sort of big flights that um, you know go across the world but don't you know you don't spend that much time there either so, but I shared with you guys as a church that I found God say but what if I want you to go Chris, what if I want you to go to America? What if I put this desire in your heart? And I was like, oh, I'm up for that. And so then um, I found him say, but will you trust me with the whole trip? So it's a slight double-edged sword here where he's like, go to America. I need you to trust me with the trip. And that looks like I don't want you buying the flight ticket. I don't want you planning how to get from San Francisco to where I wanted to go in Reading, which is four hours drive away. I don't want you to book accommodation and I don't want you to take any money. Now who wants to go on that trip? Very few of us. Sam does and Sarah. So I, I it was this thing of like, okay, God, I know that you're calling me to this. Um, and also to kind of backtrack about four years ago we talked earlier on and we shared some words four years ago somebody came up to me and said um, I believe God wants you um, to essentially walk in more of his ways get to know him better see more power in your prayer um, he wants you to access that and it will start with you turning up at an airport not knowing how the trip's going to work out. So I already had that in my head. And then I thought, okay, God, maybe this is it. Maybe this is that moment that you called me to. Um, that I would, I would go on this trip and I'd find more of you as well. So, um, so that's what I did. So um, also, I want to be 100% honest with this because I don't want to make it sound better than it was. But it was great. But um, 
I, as part of my contract with the diocese, then you get a retreat. So again, I was allowed six days off. Um, but I also found that they would, um, there's a small budget for it, which covered my flights. So I was like, okay, check one, God's paid for that. Um, and then when I was going to America, I really wanted to go back to where I used to live and I wanted to go to um, the church I used to go to, but I couldn't really work out the timings of when I would leave or when I had to get back because we had Easter, didn't we? Just uh, And that was really fun and busy. Um, but I really wanted to go to like a Friday night service in America and a Sunday morning one. But I was like, okay, well, if I go on the Saturday during Easter, I can't make it happen. And I felt um, God say, and I say felt God say, I just had this thought in my head in it. I think afterwards it turns out it was God. I find that's often how God speaks to me, is that I have this thought, and then when I act upon it, it ends up looking like it was God in that moment. I found him say, look at the Virgin flights, and I'm, I'm, I've never flown Virgin before, they're quite expensive. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll check out the flights. And I was, really, I was really amazed to see that the flight time left at 12.30 at lunchtime on the Monday, which, by the way, is the best flight in the world. No one wants to get up early for a flight. You already feel rubbish. Um, but it was that. But it was also, it meant that the whole trip would work out, and I'd get to go... I'd get to go to the things I wanted to go to but it was also one of these green trips so it was like an ecological trip where somehow they do more offsetting of carbon or I don't know they must have a better airstream anyway so I felt justified so my trip was paid for that was one thing I couldn't justify and then also the kind of ecological side of it as well um, go on Virgin flight and this is important for the next bit of the story I booked that flight because I felt God say go on Virgin and that's the flight for you and then um I turn up to the airport, and this is where it gets really fun. I turn up to the airport in Heathrow, um, and I get to the departure lounge. So I've got my flight booked. I don't know how I'm going to get from San Francisco to Reading. And I sit down, and I'm pretty calm at this point, because I'm thinking I've got 11 hours to stress out about this, but I'm sure God will make a way. Um, And then five minutes later, this couple walked in who I'd met at a conference in Leicester in January. And they were like, oh, it's good to see you here. Where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm going to go on this trip to Reading. They're like, oh, no, where are we going to? And they were on the exact same flight. And then they were like, have you booked your, um, your transportation? I said, no. They were like, oh, you can get a ride with us. So God's paid for the flight. He saw that out. He's now sorted the transportation out. Um, I think it was Sunday night I was speaking, wasn't it? And um, when I got home on the Sunday night, I got a text from one of my best friends saying, I'm coming. And I'm like, what? He's like, I'm going to come to America with you. I mean, I didn't invite him. It's a bit presumptuous, but it's fine. And uh, so anyway, so he says, oh, I'm, I'm coming on the trip. And I was like, that's amazing. By the way, you've got to get your visa tonight. You've got to film yourself doing a PCR test. There's a lot to do now when you go to the States. And he got it all done. But what was brilliant is that he'd, um, he'd booked a flight a couple of hours earlier than me. And he'd gone to San Francisco and hired a car. So, but he was coming on the trip. So when I got to Reading, where I was going to, he was like, I'll drive you wherever you want all week. So again, another thing on my thing was, like, I didn't know how I was going to get around all week. Oh, I forgot to mention, before I left on the trip, as I said, um, God said, trust me for the money. Someone came up to me and said, God told me to give you the money for your spending money for the trip as well. So that was covered. Um, what else? I've got a load of notes here. Oh, there's other little things about... Um, I'm going to be honest with you, we're, we're British, aren't we? We like a glass of wine. And American culture is a bit different. So um, when I still got my accommodation to sort out. So I said to my old landlady who I used to live with, oh, I'm coming to Reading, I'm, I'll pop over and say hello. She says, oh, we've got this new RV. You can stay in this new RV. And I'm like, oh, that'd be fun. I'm going to be honest, though, I was slightly disappointed because um, they don't drink alcohol. And I was a bit like, oh, I wouldn't mind a glass of wine in the evening. 
just before I leave, she sends me a message saying, by the way, you can't stay. Long story short, but you can't stay. And then a friend of mine texts going, oh, I hear you're going to Reading. You should stay with my, stay with my friend Marty. So I'm like, I am. I need his number. So I text this lovely guy called Marty. Um, never met him in my life. Turn up at his house. I'm jet lagged. I'm tired. And he's just like, oh, would you like a glass of wine? I was like, oh, yes, please. I was like, what do you do? He goes, oh, I own a wine company. And <laughs> this glass of wine is like really rare and just, I mean, it's not rare. It's gone now. But it was rare. And it was, do you know what, it's those little things. And the reason I started with this story is that quite a few of you, I think, were worried, I think, when I told you that I'm going to go on this trip and I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but there's kind of quite, that story I want you to all get some teaching from about things like, you know, God said to me to do it. So sometimes he, he speaks to us and we have to act upon that. And then there's the other parts of the trip where God just wanted to bless me because he loves me. You know, a glass of wine is, is a nice blessing because he loves me. As Andy said, Ben tells Andy a lot, I love you, I love you, I love you. Um, you know, it's, it's that, like, God just loves us and he wants to bless us because we're his children. And, and so there was lots of other parts of the trip, even things like when I was starting to run out of money, you'd just go somewhere to meet a friend and they go, oh, I'm going to buy you lunch. There's those little things all the way through. So for the whole six days, and there was, I think Alice had prayed for me about a week before and she didn't know any of this. I think you didn't know. I told you after. And she's like, I just get that verse um, or part of the Exodus story. If you don't know it, it's a book in the Old Testament called Exodus. And, um, and there's this... The Israelites are leaving Egypt to go to a land that God's promised them. And they don't have food, but he provides food for them every single day. And Alice is like, I feel like God's going to say to you, he's going to provide for you every single day over this next season. Um, and so that was, that was the trip. Um, why did God want me to go there? I think partly to bless me. Um, I think also because he knew my heart, that I wanted more of him. I wanted more of a revelation of who he was. And so I'm just going to share with you a couple of brief things that I felt God share with me, which it, it was for me, but I think it could be for us too. So take hold of it if you need that as well. One is simply that um, children don't worry. You know, like I've got a toddler and he doesn't worry about a thing. He, he is very comfortable telling me what he wants because he knows I love him and I'll give it to him. And so God wanted to let me know, you worry too much. Come to me. Come to me and ask me for what you need. I love you. I'm not going to tell you off. I'm not going to reject you. And I know this. I, pre I think I've got one life message. It's about 50 hours long, but that's part of the message is God is a father. He loves us and we can come to him. But again, it's, I think there's levels of truth that we can all have where we get it, but we just need it a bit deeper each time that he just wants to fill us up more and more. The other one was, um, this is quite fun actually. I was, I was at, um, in a time of worship and I just felt God say, you just need to have more fun. And so, again, I was like, that's cool. And I spoke, I spoke to my wife the next day. She's like, has God said anything to you on this trip? And I just said, oh, I feel like he said you need to just have more fun. And she said, oh, that's amazing, because yesterday I said to someone, said, how's the trip going? She says, I don't know. I just really hope that he's actually having fun. And then I had a good chat with, where's Joy? We were chatting this morning, weren't we? And God has said the same thing to you and has done basically a similar thing to you in the last few weeks of challenging you to step out in faith. And also part of that challenge was to have fun with it as well. So again, there's this thing of like, okay, it's always good for us to explore the question, what sort of father says those things? Have fun, don't worry. Because that's the sort of father that we have in God. And then the other thing I want to share um, before I get to my main message, but, uh, this is kind of true, is um, I was 
we all probably have a perception of what Jesus is like, don't we? We all, you know, when we're thinking about Jesus, it might be from a film or a painting or a picture or whatever. And, and I think for me, um, there's, a t- there's a kind of TV show called The Chosen. Some of you may have watched it. It's really good. By the way, Christian TV is usually terrible, but this is brilliant. Um, you're laughing because you know it's normally terrible but this is genuinely really good it's the dramatisation of the Gospels and I guess I picture Jesus like he's in The Chosen which is um, like a rabbi you know quite you know normal looking in a brown robe and he guides me and he loves me and he sits with me and he eats with me and you know he comes and he heals Ben was talking this morning about what's hurting and he heals that. And I guess I always picture Jesus as that guy. And he is 100% that guy. But I was in worship and I just had this picture of the, of the cross. And, um, and the crucifixion was, um, it wasn't a murder, it was a coronation. It was the moment where he became King Jesus. And it was important for me because I now, I think he wanted me to see him as King Jesus, almost in white with a crown. And then there's, there's a lot of kind of doctrine and theology about pre and post cross Jesus. But essentially he was like, I am that guy. I am the guy who sits with you. I am the guy that loves you. I am the guy that teaches you. I am the guy that heals your pain. But I'm also a king. And kings have authority. And actually, again, before the service, we were in pre-service prayer, and Sam just goes, I've got one word for you, authority. And I was like, that's kind of what um, God had been saying to me. And I think the reason that was significant for me is as we want more of God, as we step out with power, and again, this is just all in my mind's eye, I just kind of saw almost like Jesus came into me. And again, we believe as Christians that we live in Jesus and he lives in us. But I just could imagine, like, if I put my hand on someone to pray, and then there's his hand in there, praying too. And just the authority that we can pray for. And I'm not saying, it, you know, everyone gets healed every time. Please don't hear that. Like, we want that. We go for that every time. It doesn't always happen, but we go for it. But just that sense of, gosh, I have a king living in me and a king's authority that I can pray with. And that for me was really significant because that's kind of what I wanted from the trip. I just wanted a revelation of who Jesus is that would change me and change the way I kind of do life and things like that as well. Um, Anyway, that's the trip. So I survived. Thank you for your prayers. I think, Christine, you look particularly worried about me. and so I just wanted to share that just to start with. This, we're in the middle of a series. If you've not been here before, we're in the middle of a series called Who Are We? And the idea is that um, it's, it's an identity series, really, but we're formed by groups. Like, we, we think we're formed in a vacuum on our own, but we're not. We're formed in groups. And so today, I'm just going to briefly touch on who are we? We are people of faith. Um, we're, we're people of faith. And I... The re- I wasn't going to talk about it originally, actually, but I had quite a few interactions with people over the last week who were super honest. They were like, I know about God. I'm just really struggling to see him right now, if I'm being honest. I think, you know, with what's gone on in the news globally, whether it be Ukraine or Yemen or Afghanistan, or even with our own, I'm going to be honest, openly corrupt politicians, like, it, it can feel really like, oh, where's the hope? Where is, where is God in all this? Um, and actually, uh, brilliantly, one of you texts going, I'm reading Leviticus and I can't see God in that either too. And I was like, yeah, well, Leviticus is a hard book. I wouldn't worry about it either. But I think there is this sense of, where are you, God? I need, I need you to be real. Where are you? 
Um, but before I get onto that, what I also have noticed in, in this time of like, God, where are you? When I'm looking, I can see shoots of life. I can start to see things happening that are God, but I could miss it if I'm too busy looking at everything else. And I just wanted to share, again, just to be really real with you guys, because this is family, and so family, we get to be real. Um, my uncle has been an atheist drug addict for 50 years, so he's now in his 60s. And, um, and we prayed for him, I mean, as I said, I'm 40, we pray, I prayed for him for a long time. And he texted me last week, um, he's on some pilgrimage. I don't know why he's doing it. He's in northern Spain, and he's just met Jesus on a pilgrimage. And he's just gone. I'll, I'll read you what he said. It now feels like all of the weight has been lifted off. In each moment, someone's got your back. And like, so you could miss that in amongst everything else, right? Um, and I had another one the other day where I live just down the road, and next to me is a house full of. Um, uh, young professionals, and I was talking to one of them in the garden. What do you do? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a vicar, and the immediately it's like, why? It's a good question that we ask ourselves regularly. Um, and and I said to her, do you want the real answer? Because the answer I give is, you know, we've talked about earlier. We don't want people to think we're weird. If we've been honest, like I'm a Christian, but I'm also not weird. And so my answer is often, well, you know, the church should be an expression of love in the community. You know, we we have a social supermarket. We help families with additional needs. We do all these things. We have a dance school. Like that's the answer I want people to go. Oh, you sound good people. Oh, maybe I'll come along to your Christmas service or whatever. But I actually felt God challenge me and say just be a bit more real. So I said, do you want me to tell you the honest answer? And she said, yeah. And I said, I really love God and he really loves me. And I was utterly broken and stuck in my life. And my hope is that anyone else who feels stuck can get unstuck with the love of God too. And she just said, that's exactly what I need to hear. And every time I see her, she keeps on bringing up the conversation. And she, even yesterday, so in the garden, she's like, what time is church? I said, five o'clock. She's like, oh, I won't make that, but I'll come another time. She's hungry. And I think that we can miss these shoots of life. I shared a few weeks ago, we're seeing healings on a regular basis. Um, someone in this church, we shared about had arthritis in their legs and the pain went and then we prayed another time and then they were on crutches and they're not using crutches anymore and said to me the other week, every day the legs are getting stronger. Someone else in this church is sat here tonight, prayed for a car that got broken down and that came back to life. Like we're seeing God move, we're seeing things, but it can be really easy to miss it because of the other things. And to be honest, faith is what we need when life is hard. It's really easy to have faith when life is good, but faith is the anchor that we need when life isn't too hard, what isn't too good. As Christians, we are innately people of faith because when we become Christians, you become a Christian not because you get baptized as a baby, although if you did, great, I did too, that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that, but you become a Christian when you believe, when you have faith, there was a guy called Jesus who lived, who died, and who rose again. So to be a Christian is to innately be a person of faith. And if we believe that to be true, we then consequently have a decision to make about do I put my faith in this Jesus that we were singing about or not? As I said, as, pe as Christians, we are innately people of faith. And as people of faith, we have to hold firm, and we sang about it, um, we have to hold firm to faith in God. 
faith in his goodness, in his love, his power and his authority, especially when life feels tough. And if we're being honest, life does feel tough from time to time. And, and it bothers us when life is tough, doesn't it? It actually really bothers us. And the reason it bother, bothers us is because we're wired to move forward. We're made for progression. Humanity, we're made to always be wanting to improve and to go forward. Um, and let me just... I'll, I am a Christian. I'm going to read some scripture for you now. I know that's been 20 minutes of no scripture. Um, Scripture talks of the progress as being something of the nature of God. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says that the, the work of the Spirit of God, it's important, the work of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is always at work and always working with us. So the work of the Spirit of God is to take us from glory to glory, is to take us from one place to progression, to, to, to moving forward. In John 5.17, Jesus says the Father is always working. That means there's progress, there's moving forward, there's that sort of stuff too. Isaiah, which is a prophet in the Old Testament, um, talks about Jesus' government, that when he comes, he would be, he'd reign and rule, and of his government, um, it says, of the increase in his government and peace, there will be no end. So there's no end to the increase, it's always moving forward. The mandate to Adam and Eve in the Genesis story is that they were in the Garden of Eden and God said, go forth and multiply and expand the kingdom, expand the garden, sorry, to the ends of the earth. And that is a picture of the kingdom. The idea is that things are good here. Let's make it better out there. Let's move forward. Let's progress. Let's go forward. There's um, a story in Matthew 25, I think it is. That doesn't look right. It's in Matthew. Where um, three servants are giving three amounts of money and one of them doesn't invest the money and the other two do. And the two that invest money obviously have a return on that money and the one who didn't invest the money, who didn't do anything with it, um, they were deemed to be an idiot, basically, in Scripture. And the, the ones who did invest it and did look for progress and for moving forward, they were given praise and they were given more. Um, by the way, that is not a statement about money and that is not a statement about politics. Um, but there's a much deeper truth at play about what am I doing with what's been given to me? God is so focused on increase. He's so focused on wanting to give us more. It's part of his nature. He takes us from glory to glory. And I think also from faith to faith. There's this element, I've got some faith, but we always want and we always need more. I think that's why there's a dissonance in our lives when things don't feel like they're going well, that they don't feel that they're moving forward, that we feel like we're going backwards. Um, we, we're going to get setbacks in life, but the posture that we want is that we will always be advancing. I might go three steps forward and fall back at this point, but then next time I'm going to keep going forward a bit more. It might be three steps forward and one back. Over the course of our life, we want to be moving forward. We want to be moving forward with God, with our relationships with each other, and even with ourselves as well. Faith is essential to moving forward because faith feels like risk and we cannot, um, we cannot move forward unless there's an element of risk. It's risky doing these things. By the way, everyone who shared, thank you because that's risk. You got up, you grabbed the mic and you shared something as well. Like, that's risk and that is what we, we want to be a community and a culture that celebrate that. It was 100% of a risk. I can stand here happy now. It was a risk me going to America. I was bricking it in the airport at one point. Like, it was a risk, but God showed up. So how do we move forward? I think this is the key for us, isn't it? How do we move forward? The answer is simple, but I don't think it's easy. We move forward by putting total faith in Jesus. And I think that's what Caroline, you were saying, isn't it? That, that song got you because you're like, I need to be all in. Not just bits of me in. 
I need to go all in. So quickly, what is faith? Faith can be defined as trust or confidence in a person or something. Um, as Christians, we put our faith in God. Faith and trust appear over 600 times in the Bible. Um, the writer of Hebrews states that faith is this. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I'll repeat that. Now faith is the, ev- is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith has its anchor in the unseen. When life doesn't look good, we're seeing, but our faith needs to be in what we can't see, and that is in God. It also, faith is the substance. Faith is substance, which means it's not unstantiated. The Greek word for evidence is elangos. Any Greek people in there? No, great. Elangos, that's how you pronounce it. And it means a proof, that by which a thing is proved or tested. Evidence proves something. Faith is evidence. So faith is substance, the things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. We might not be able to see something like our hope for a relationship or the job that you really need or how am I going to get from San Francisco to Reading. But our faith starts to happen, is helped by trusting in God. And we can't always see the way out, but we know that he's there. Here's the thing that we hope for. Faith is the evidence of the thing hoped for. My trip to the US started with a desire God put in me. Now I had to work that out with him and with other people. So I also don't want us to think we can do whatever we kind of want to do. It was prompted by God. And I've chatted to my wife, i chatted to my friends, I've probably chatted through Ben multiple times. Like It's good to have community and to talk these things through too. Just hoping and praying for something um, that God doesn't want for us you're not going to get it. Like, it just doesn't work. Um, One of the areas of growth that I want is to respond to the promptings of God. Like, sometimes I'm waiting for a big neon sign. I'm waiting for it to be super obvious. But again, a few of us were talking earlier about sometimes it feels like we're in a season of God's... It feels like God might be saying something. And my thing now is I'm going to do it anyway, even if I'm not sure. Because I trust that he's good, and I trust that he's a good dad. And someone once said, he's the sort of dad where if I thought that God sent me on mission to another country, and he didn't send me, he's the good dad. He'll go, look at my son. He's a bit of an idiot. He didn't hear right, but I'm going to go with him anyway because I love him and he's my son. So there's, you can take the risk knowing that, do you know what, even if he might not have said it, he is good to be with you anyway because he doesn't really care about the product or stuff. He cares about you. He cares about us. So what am I saying? Just skip that. How do we get faith? The Bible says that we're all born with a um, an element of faith. Um, faith in the New Testament is listed as both a gift and a fruit. Now, a gift is something given, and a fruit is something that grows. Everything in the Bible seems to, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is in seed form. He talks about scattering seed. Faith is a seed. And the seed we need to grow. So you get given a free seed of faith. Everybody has one. Um, we got given, we went to a wedding recently, and it was cool, like our name tags. 
on the table. They were like seeds and you plant them. So we did that and now they're starting to grow. But I have to put them in the right environment. I have to, I have to water them. I have to put them in sunlight. Like we have to grow these things. It's like God's gone, here's your gift of faith. Now I want, I want you to go and grow it. So how do we get this gift of faith? This is key. This is key for who I want us to become as a community. How do we get this gift of faith? Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So I'm going to repeat that. So faith comes from hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It does not say faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of Christ. Now, the Greek for word, there's three different words, there's three different Greek words for word in the New Testament, and it's always good looking it up. One is logos, so in the book of John it says, the word of God became flesh, and that's Jesus. There's another word which is graphe, which means scripture, and there's a third word which is rhema, which is spoken word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the rhema, the spoken word of God. Faith comes from a living, dynamic, current word of God. When my faith is low, or it feels empty or devoid or colourless, I think as Nikki was saying earlier, when it feels flat, when I'm like, oh yeah, I get it, but where is God in all this? You know the thing that usually perks it back up? is when my friends have gone, I was praying for you, let me speak into that. There's a, there's a live word from God in there that can pick us out and can move us to somewhere else as well. Faith comes from hearing, not having heard. It's a constant thing that we need to be doing every day. Lord, what are you saying today? I know you're good, I know you're with me, but what does today look like? I think Hanel says that, like one of our prayers in the morning, you don't know Hanel and Ben run the church. Um, She's like, one of her prayers is, God, what does today look like? That's a great prayer. If you, all you remember from tonight is that, then that's brilliant. God, what does today look like? It's a current, present thing. And it's receiving that fresh, living word from God, which builds our faith. As people of God, as people of faith, we are constantly looking to hear the voice of Jesus because his words build faith in us. And it's those words that they give us power and victory to overcome the stuff that we're facing. Um, also, if you're new to all this, I'm not saying it's necessary when we hear God's voice as an audible voice. Some people maybe have heard that. I've never heard that. Um, we will all have to learn how we hear God's voice. For me, it's often, I, I think I've shared before, I look for patterns. I might have a chat with Charlie and then like 10 minutes later, have a chat with John and then someone else. And it's like, oh gosh, we've all chatted about the random same thing. Maybe God's speaking about that. Maybe that's something I should push into and ask God for too. So how do we get faith? By hearing. By hearing what? By hearing Jesus speak. How do we do that? Three basic ways I'm going to give you. There's loads of ways. Three basic words. An essential part of our day has to be that we start with dedicated time with God to listen and time to pray. Nowadays we call it quiet time. You know, you call it whatever you want. But for me it always works best in the morning. Before my day starts is to have that moment just to be quiet. Now, I don't read the Bible in that time. Because my brain isn't quiet then, I'm not listening. I'm doing something else. The number two step is Bible, come on to that. Um, but it's to have time to be quiet. It's really hard to be quiet. Because you're thinking, I've got this email to write, I've got a 
fancy a burger. I know it's breakfast, but I do. Oh, like, all that stuff. Like, you're thinking about stuff, and it's hard. I'm going to acknowledge it's hard, but it's discipline. So just go, okay, cool. Bring yourself back to go, okay, cool. Don't feel guilty either. Do not feel guilty if your brain wanders in prayer. Someone once said, again, God's a good dad. I invite him into my prayer time. And why wouldn't a good dad remind me, saying, hey, son, don't forget to email that person afterwards. Just write it down in a notepad, and then it'll be out of your brain, and you can carry on going, cool, I'm back in line now, God, I'll listen to you. Like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about these things. It takes time. It takes practice. But spend time with them every day. How long? I don't know. Everyone does it a bit different. If you've never done it before, do it for five minutes. If you could do it for 20 minutes, that's a good start. If it didn't work, do it for a little bit longer next time. Or, you know, whatever. Like, it, you'll figure out. I'm not going to tell you how to do this exactly. You need to figure out what works best for you and your rhythms. Some people are morning people. I'm not. Some people are really good in the morning. Some people are switched on. I take half an hour to stare at a wall and have a strong coffee. That's the way I wake up. Like, you do it for you, but make sure you get time when you can, when your brain's awake, to listen to God's voice. There's a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. He lived about 150-odd years ago. He was, um, saw God move in powerful ways. And someone once said to him, Smith, how long do you pray for? And he said, I never pray for longer than 15 minutes, but I never go 15 minutes without praying. So again, it's not about a length of time. It's just about being constantly going, okay, God. And again, you might forget. That's fine. I used to set alarms because I'd forget. Like, just, you'll figure it out. You'll be fine. Work, do what's best for you. The second thing to do to hear God's voice it is to read the Bible. So I say that I don't do that in my quiet time, but I do do it in the morning too. And the reason, if you're, again, if you're new to faith, read the New Testament. The Old Testament is too complex to start with. We'll get you there. But start with the New Testament. Start with the Gospels. Read about Jesus. The Gospels record the word of Jesus. Jesus is God. God came down as a human being and they wrote his words down. So we get to hear from God there. The amount of times I'll be going through stuff and whatever and I open up my Bible and I read it and it feels like, it feels like the, the Bible is speaking into my situation. So make sure that you do your best to read the Bible every day. I'm also going to be really real. The Bible was written by 44 different authors um, at different times to different people in different contexts and, and it's, you have to navigate it. You have to navigate it well. There's loads of books. We, Jerry does a Bible study during the week. Like Join the Bible study. Like We can do this together but whatever you're reading just say Jesus, speak to me. How does that, I know he wrote that in exile 3,000 years ago or whatever, but how does that apply to my life today? That's the key thing when you read the Bible. Do it with the Spirit. Say, Spirit, speak to me. Use Scripture to, to, to grow me, to strengthen my faith. Um, number three is, I think I said three points. I've got four, sorry, I lied. Um, three is worship. We'll talk about that another time. Worship is key to building our faith. And the fourth one, and this is kind of what I've alluded to, um, and, and key for us as a community is that I want us to be what I would call a prophetic community. Um, and that doesn't just mean we're, we're just giving prophecy, but it's seeing through God's eyes. It's seeing situations and asking him, God, how do you see that person? How do you see that problem? How do we deal with this? And asking him to speak into us. Um, and that may be for each other. So if I've got a friend who's going through something, I'm like, God, give me a word that can help unlock something in their heart. Not because I want any credit. I don't care. I just care about them to see them free and to see them move forward too. And you know what happens when someone comes to you and says that, because I was praying for you the other day. You feel loved. You feel seen. You feel known by that person and by God. You're like, wow, that's amazing. Not only that, but if you're the person giving the word and it speaks into their life, 
you get encouraged too. You're like, oh, that's cool. I actually heard from God and that was right. Actually, this is all, this is all work and this is all good. Um, we'll, we'll do a talk on, on prophecy another time. We'll do a talk on ministry training as well. Um, but one thing I do want to say is if you're going to do that, it's really clear in the New Testament that prophecy is encouraging. It's not warnings. It's not doom and gloom. If you think that God's spoken to you about a doom and gloom word for someone, come and tell me first and we'll weigh it up together. Um, but it has to be encouraging, edifying and building each other up as well. Great, I'm going to land now. Who are we? We are people of faith. Who do we have faith in? God. We have faith in God because he is 100% trustworthy. He's 100% true. He's good. He's kind. He's loving. He's compassionate. And I think some of us are stuck tonight. I've definitely been feeling a bit stuck all weekend. I feel like we've, there's areas of our lives where like I need a faith injection right now, God. Um, and so we're going to do that now. So um, we're going to have a time of prayer and just waiting upon the Lord. Um, so please stand. We're going we're gonna to do this together. You don't have to stand, um, but it does, it helps. It helps us to move because you've been listening to me for a while. We always have time just to wait upon.